Hello, everyone. This is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. get real quick to this uh if you if you're just now coming upon the podcast for the first time the spiritual underground podcast is primarily a 12-step recovery podcast uh but i I do like to explore other areas and other avenues paths people take to uh find their true selves and and find their voice uh it it can i'm convinced today that that's like the human mission is to get lost and then find yourself. That's, that's kind of what life is. Uh, and so, um, 12 step spiritual recovery is a book by James Christopher Cone. It is the 12 steps for anybody. No longer is, are the 12 steps limited to having a, uh, fit, fitting into the traditional fellowships, the, uh, overeaters, the, of course, the alcoholics and the addicts, uh, you don't have to have a problem to come work on these 12, do work these 12 steps. And, uh, also, uh, you know, one of the things that a lot of times is not really talked about with 12 steps is that you get this mutual support group, you get this support group that comes with it, you know, and that's worth, that's worth a bunch just to have that. So we have me meetings on zoom and uh and in person here in in the louisville metro area so uh if you if you're interested in that uh take a look at the book on amazon 12-step spiritual recovery by james christopher cone and uh contact me and we can get you in on one of these zoom meetings you can attend that thursday night meeting from any place that has the internet uh so that is uh rolling along and it's it just warms my heart to watch people uh grow and Darren Frank, thank you very much for your music that you allow me to use around this podcast. So we'll get going. Uh, you know, I always I've been putting out these, pitching out these re- guest requests, so to speak, er, er, now and again. And uh, you know, one of the things I say is uh, um, at the beginning of this, uh, I was talking to my guest, and I said, you know, some things I uh, when when something is working, keep doing it, and when it ain't working, stop. And um, I kind of get a feeling that uh, this power grayer myself, that, that whatever this is that got me sober has been supporting this podcast because it keeps on sending guests and uh, the universe is supporting it. So uh, now and again, I'll, 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 I was talking to my sponsor the other night and he said, he, uh, how lucky I am doing this is that once a week I sit down and have a long form conversation with somebody I don't really know that well. And, and we, and we look at life from our, each one of our angles, you know, and I, I hadn't thought about the education I'm getting just from sitting over here. There's a lot of, uh, uh, collateral benefit, not collateral damage, collateral benefit that I get as a result of this and, uh, pitched out one of those a while back. And, uh, some of y'all, if you follow me closely, will know, uh, and Harvey, I don't know how to say your last name. (laughs) Laguerre. Laguerre, Harvey Laguerre. He does a podcast called the uh, men are the prize. And yes, uh, I was a guest on his podcast and uh, I know a couple of other people uh, that, that have been on it. It's really good. Uh, I love the format and I, I just love the angle you're taking on it. And uh, uh, it's, it's so y'all check that out and you'll hear some more a little bit. I'm sure about how that came about tonight. Uh, of course, I say tonight because it's night on me, but it could be morning for you. So, Harvey, doing okay tonight? Yes, I am. Thank you very much. And yeah, I hope you're doing well also. You, you got a busy household out here. Oh, oh, well, yeah, we finally got everybody down. But, you know, yeah. there's uh, six of us in total, but the yeah. kids are asleep or yeah. trying. I fake like they're sleeping. But they're down. Six? So, that- yeah, well, four kids and me and my wife. And that makes us six. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. That is a handful. Um, right yeah. Yes. Um, yes. We're active. This is usually when I record, even for myself. Want to make sure the kids are down, wife is relaxing, then try to get into stuff. But, uh, yeah. It is yeah, definitely an honor to be on here with you, sir. Well, thank you, man. I can't wait to learn more about you. You know, when I'm when I'm the guest, I kind of talk my, you know, my stuff. But on my show, uh, most of my people know enough about me. Uh, I'm trying to get them to uh, to get some exposure to other people. Where'd you grow up at? So I let's see. I was born in Manhattan. I'm a New Yorker by nature. Yes, sir. Um, But I grew up in Long Island. child of divorced parents, kind of tumultuous growing up, grew up in Queens. Then after that, grew up in Long Island and then went to college, failed out of that. I had a whole lot of experiences. Yeah. A whole lot of uh, shenanigans went up before I finally became, I guess, as fully formed as I can say I am now. It's interesting the diff- what that big city life, like that kind of size of city, uh, right. the perspective you get that's different than than a lot of other people you know because i mean that's not just big city that is new the new york that's area the city. that's oh, the yeah. city yes sir yeah, yes sir not, i am another, a city person yeah, yeah not another person. city on earth quite like that one you might have no grown, doubt you might have grown up in chicago or you know some of these other bigger cities but new yorkers are a breed of their own oh yes very much oh no doubt and we're proud of it too we'll tell you all about it yes yeah. <laughs> Uh, I visited New York City one time, and uh, and and I was frankly intimidated. Uh, yeah. It's just a lot. It uh, is. It I, is. Back uh, back when I was still drinking and stuff, I was travel for work a lot, and uh, we had they were putting a power plant in someplace in town, you know, in a big old building that just looked like another brick building, and right. uh, we were doing that, and uh, I remember like when I was outside my comfort zone back then. Uh, I was I was really fear riddled, uh, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't even see it then. I see this in the rearview mirror, thinking back about myself. But uh, and and that kind of you know, intimidating uh, bigness um, mm-hmm. uh, had me. And now, when then what I do is I end up going into a shell, you know, and I don't actually get to see where I've been. It's almost like I didn't. It's almost like I went someplace and I didn't look. I had my eyes covered up the whole time. Were you in the city? Do you remember? Were you in Manhattan? Were you? We actually did go to. We were close to Manhattan. Okay, but it's been okay. it's been twenty years now. Okay, so it's been a while. Okay, a twenty while years. Back. Yeah. Uh, consolidated well, I mean, Con Ed, if I remember right. Consolidated. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Who we were, that's who our customer was. Okay. Yeah. So if you were walking around, if you were in Manhattan. That's the epicenter of everything. It's fashion, it's business, it's NYU colleges. It's yeah. It's all here. And the, it's, so the city has its own kind of feeling, but then so do the people who live there. We're busy, you know, we don't have time for, you know, slow talking and we're moving and stuff. Cause I live in Florida now and the difference is just ridiculous. Like yeah. no yeah. one is in a rush here. No one has any, no one has anywhere to go. Everybody's really relaxed and I'm, that's not my nature. I'm trying to move and everybody's calmly going about yellow light. It's all right. I'll just wait. You know, meanwhile, I'm in New York. I'll try to get through. There's a, there's a different vibe to it. But uh, yeah, I'm a proud New Yorker. Love my sports teams. Love that. I can't deal with the suburbs, even though that's where I live now. But drop me off in Times Square. You can just go. I'll make my way. 
How long have you been? How long have you been in Florida? Florida is just a little bit more than a year, actually. Oh, yeah. This was a this was a pretty recent move. Um, I lived in New Jersey before this, my family, and with obviously with COVID and a lot was going on, and like this is an opportunity to sell the house and do pretty well with that. So we sold it and we moved. I have a lot of family here in Florida. So that's one of the reasons we moved here. Yeah. But it's been a year. Kids are still getting used to it. They like the weather, but you know, yeah. it's kind of traumatic to move kids, but you know, we did what we did. And it's um it's I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. But I'll be yeah. happy to move back north if need be. So <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so if you've just been out of the big city for not very long, heck yeah, man. Right. I mean, you don't we kind of I think we take for granted how uh conditioned we get by our environment. Oh yeah. Uh, until until you move to a new one, you don't realize how conditioned you are to where you've been. I'm a homeboy, man. I am grounded. I live in the house I grew up in. Yeah, uh, that's good. I and 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 I I'll bet I I bet I never move. I don't know, you know, but I'll bet I don't. Uh, why you wouldn't need to you comfortable i would imagine right yeah yeah but as you know how we're some people are wired i have a really good buddy who's part of our men's home group and he can't sit still man he's in tucson arizona or someplace now he was mm -hmm. moved to north carolina you know and he's been a nomad all his life and he can't mm -hmm. he can't he can't sit still <laughs> and we talk we joke around about it because how much how grounded i am you know, and what he does kind of makes me itchy, you know, I'm like, Ugh, I wouldn't want to be, you know, packing up my belongings and then pods and go see where you're going to live and don't even know where he's going to live. He'll know when he gets there Ooh. and then oh, have wow. your stuff delivered to you. And uh, I, yeah. I'm not that guy. No, <laughs> maybe before I had a family, but, you know, when I was by myself, you know, just go. It's yeah. a lot different when you're just kind of living for yourself as opposed to having a family and you have to account for them. Yeah. Decisions have to be made as a group as opposed to alone. So. So you grew up. Uh, was your mom and dad divorced? Was that what you remember? Or do you remember your mom and dad being married? Um, my parents got divorced when I was 10. Are you but I yeah, but um, it was a very violent relationship. So that was it wasn't meant to be. It was two people who just had no business being together. So yeah. I grew up knowing about that, hearing the arguments, hearing the attacks and whatever stuff happened. And we were lucky enough that we had a pretty nice house. So we had cousins, I mean, cousins and uncles who would kind of rotate and live in the house until they got themselves settled and then they would move on. But all the while, all this was going on with my parents. Then it was finally done. I kind of what started, I guess, whatever process for me is that I had to go to court with my parents because, you know, I have to sit in front of a judge and I have to pick who I want to live with. Oh, wow. So that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't fun. So no. then from then on in, yeah, I mean, I pretty, I, I imagine I grew pretty quick because even I was living for my dad, but it wasn't just a good situation there either. So um, you grew up, you, did you say you were with your dad primarily? Yeah, I was. And I shouldn't have. But it, long story, my dad decided to become this great father to get me when he really wasn't that guy before. And I was looked who I should have been with my mom the whole time. So it was all kinds of and I was just being played with as a 10 year old, you know, all of a sudden we're going to the movies every weekend. We're hanging out doing all this stuff like, oh, wow, this is the guy I want to be with. And it was, you know, it was all for show. Yeah. So, so he, he didn't he couldn't sustain that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So moved eventually Long Island, nice area, good school, stuff like that. And I kind of just made it through. My dad got remarried and then I was ready to get out of there. I went to college and 
I guess that's that might relate well to you. The difference between being at home in a suburb and then going to college and it's just me. So it's big difference because yeah. now it's culture shock. I'll say that because I went to a school way upstate New York. Um, obviously, I'm black. I'm pretty sure it was two percent black people at this school. Oh, there wow. were none of us. It was non-existent. I'm pretty sure I was one of maybe five or six black men there. And you, so probably, you didn't have any idea that's what you were getting into or just didn't really process I, I don't it. think I really paid attention. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But then once I got there and I realized I really was, I really didn't really fit in. But then I kind of did fit in because I was very much this anomaly to all these people who'd never seen a black person before. Uh-huh. So, so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, heck on or whatever. And but I went there and I just didn't really pay attention to school. I that that year there was pretty much a waste of time. I failed out. My GPA was garbage. Left, came back home. And pretty much from there is kind of trajectory because I came back home to an incredibly disappointed father oh. who was disgusted with me. Oh, Could wow. not handle the fact that he sent his son off to school. He came back and failed. And I embarrassed him and the family and whatever. So I was living in a house for a year where he basically couldn't even look at, like, you can tell when somebody just despises you. They can't even, like, decide to you. And that year was tough. I, but, I I tried. Yeah, I tried to commit suicide once. Oh, did you? I tried. Yeah. It was because, you know, I, I failed. So I had no, I don't know. I, I didn't feel good about myself. And my father for. wasn't helping. Yeah, I really didn't. And it was it was tough. I tried. I still have, you know, on my wrist. Was I still have, you, you know, a still little shield here, something to remind me. Yeah. I didn't do it. It took me a while. It took me a long time to kind of find myself. I eventually got to school. I got to do things. And it just took me a long time to even, even once I left that house, even deal with my father again. We had a long time where we didn't even deal with each other. That's a whole different episode, yeah. but a lot was going on there. And um, well, what's so this kind happens? of wasted my twenties were pretty much wasted because yeah. I didn't get anything done. Alcohol so, involved in any of that? Um, I'll tell you when I didn't drink as a teenager in school or at high school or anything. My first drink was when I went to college. I went to a college called uh, Geneseo in upstate New York. A SUNY, a state university for New York school. And the first drink I ever had was a shot of Jack. Mm. And that it was okay, but the real drinking for me was beer pong. I love yeah. beer pong. Oh yeah. my God. I discovered the greatest game ever. So I'm I'm not, I was never a big drinker. I don't even like beer now. But if there's a beer pong table, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll play. But aside from that, not really. You know, alcohol has never been a big thing for me. I've never taken any drugs or anything. I've just, I don't know. I had enough. I was doing, I was my own worst enemy. I didn't need a narcotic or alcohol to make it worse. Yep. So, and, uh, you know, there's some thought of uh, that. If you have the genetic disposition for alcoholism or addiction or something, and then when you come have the trauma in early childhood it, that you talk about, you know, that had been a recipe. Uh, oh, you know, it's just almost, you know, that kind of just says that uh, you don't have the gene because uh, you'd have been certainly been a, a, a candidate for it. But right. uh, yeah, my family's pretty religious, so there wasn't a lot of drinking going on then. Yeah. So I can. Yeah, that's why it yep. never happened with me. Yeah. Wasn't Lucky normalized me. around you when you grew up. You know, it was normal for the adults and the uncles and everybody to be drinking beer at 
everything we did together, you know, and it, it, right. got, it normalized it. Right. And uh, so you didn't think a thing about when it was time to have a drink. Yeah, not at all. We didn't, not at all. My parents, Southern Day Adventist, pretty religious, yeah. not about jewelry, alcohol, don't like pork, all that stuff. So we don't do any of that. So alcohol wasn't even something I even yep. considered. Right. Not until college. And I'm like, oh, everybody else is doing it. Everybody so, else is. Uh, yeah. 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 So I get that's the say, reason. When your 20s was, you said it vanished. Is that what the word you said? It, it, you it said was wasted. I wasted. pretty much wasted because I hit my 20s and I was just kind of bouncing all over the place. It took me so long to kind of find myself. I was living with my mom for a while. I've just got jobs. Kind of job or getting jobs. And, and, just doing this in here and being supported, whatever. And it took me a long time. I had a, just a lot of stuff dealing that I was dealing with that I had to finally, not until I ended up meeting my wife, actually. That's what eventually kind of really turned the corner for me. Oh, yeah. Because I was just, I don't know, I was just working, not doing anything. No purpose. Just, yeah. And I really, exactly. And I had really a lot of hate for my father. And it was just kind of sitting there. And I had this job and I was doing pretty well there and walked in one day and saw this woman sitting at a desk. And I'm like, I'm going to marry that woman. Wow. And anybody who knows me was like, no way. Because I'd said for years that I was never going to get married. I hadn't seen any good marriages around yeah. me to think about it. Yep. So it didn't seem like something I wanted to do. But of course, we say a lot of things. And then the girl walks in and changes your mind. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, wow. All right. Took a little while. Eventually we yeah. got together. And then she got pregnant. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a kid. And I can't bring a child into this world with all this negativity I have in my heart. Just mm. holding. I have to just, I decided pretty much once I found out she's pregnant, I got to let it go. I have to drop it because this kid's going to come into this world loved. So at that point, that's when I kind of started talking to my dad again. My wife met him and kind of reconnected. That was really the beginning. But if not for that, I don't know. I really, we did not connect. We didn't speak. But when I decided that I can't live like that, it was a big change for me. So we met. Even so did you do that. anything? I mean, because most of and so my experience is one is uh, that like some action has to follow that the declaration, right? Right, and right. I would love to have just said, "Okay, I'm going to start being better starting tomorrow." Uh, <laughs> uh, was there anything that come in behind that, or was it just pure motivation? It really. I'm trying to think. Well, I think what is this? I grew up. I'm Haitian. I grew up in a really big Haitian family. I have tons of cousins and we used to hang out. I grew up with a lot of them, even though some of them lived away and such. We all grew up together. We're all really good best. We're best friends for each other. But because of this thing with my dad, I wasn't, I didn't really mingle with my family because of it. But I loved that part growing up. I loved having all these kids to hang out with, yeah. to talk to. And I think really what hit me is one, I can't be like this. I want to be happy. I want to be content. And I wanted my kids to experience the kind of growing up that I did. And I needed for that to happen. I needed to let go of all the other stuff. So it was a combination of me. I'm going to feel better. And two, my kids are going to get what I had. Yeah. So that was it. So it was really just a moment where I really disliked them a lot. My mom was my mom who had every right to be very much negative about my father. But even she was like, don't hold anything against him. And it was just a combination of I'm deciding to do this. 
my mom who always never said anything really bad about him to me. And I'm like, I just have to do it. So it really was just his day. Wow. I'm like, yeah. And it was, it was, of course, uh, you know, you know, say that it's not certainly not nothing. You, you've got a, you, you got a child coming into the world. You right. Know, that right. should be motivation to do what you're saying. You know, yes, for some definitely. people it's not, but you know, mm. that's great that, uh, you know, that, that, cause it doesn't really, so I had to get beat up real bad before I could decide to make changes, you know? Uh, I, I don't compute with these people that just go, okay, uh, I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going that way and do so. <laughs> right. I think to me, fascinating I, think, to some extent. Yeah, it is. I think I was emotionally beat up though. I think that's what it was. I think yes. growing up the teen years and the twenties where nothing was happening and I just kind of felt like a failure. I think I just beat up enough where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I can't raise I can't have a wife. I can't have a family if I'm in this state. Yeah. I have to do something. So I feel like I, I was like in it. a way. Yeah. I was trying My to recover. Life is not supposed to be like this. Exactly. And I'm not going to bring a kid different. into this world dealing with that. I want to get yeah. happy. Well, you know, I think I mean. something else I see is like a, a leapfrog of generations. Like a, a guy will have a crappy dad and mm. decide that he is not going to be that dad again. Right. You know? and, right. And yes. Uh, you'll see that. I don't know that what happens after that, but like, yeah, you can, people yeah, say, uh, I'm not going to give my kids something better. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I hope he doesn't skip a generation with me. So, you know, yeah, and my dad, I know I mean, it, my, <laughs> we're reconciled, so we're good. And I, and I, it's, I take pride in the parent that I am and making sure I send out good kids into the world. But that also means that I'm creating good parents that I send into the world too. So yep. I want my son or my three daughters to be good parents when they eventually have families. So that's a part of it. That's part of me and part of what I do yep. is who yep. I send out to the world. Who's my representative, my kids. Yeah. So yep. and you I have to you. model it because yes, exactly. Lip service the lip service doesn't do it. You oh, definitely. To, oh, definitely. Be that. Yeah. Kids don't listen. They watch. Yeah. So, you know, they, and they learn pretty quick. They How old are you kids? So I have a 18 year old son. I have a 15 year old daughter, a 12 year old daughter and a seven year old daughter. Three girls. Yes. Back to back to back. Oh yes. The hectic. A bunch of girls. Spread out pretty good too. <laughs> Spread out over a pretty good. Oh range. yeah. Yeah. It worked out. I mean, my first two kids, obviously, when I met my wife, she had two kids from a previous relationship. So she had, so I met her son when he was four and I met her daughter when she was two. That's the first two. The okay. second two are us, are my biological children, but okay. obviously those are four, they're all mine. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's spread out in a way, but we got together fast. And before you knew it, she was pregnant. And then within a year of kind of meeting each other, we got pregnant and married. We didn't waste any time. Yeah. Once yeah. I knew, yeah. <laughs> had to lock her down. I was going to. I was wondering if that was because you said, and then I just thought that I was, you know, I wasn't going to be like this anymore. And I thought you were going to say that you was, you know, that that the urgency would have been to get married. That's what I thought I was going to hear. Mm. Um, but that probably was there too. Um, like I, I never wanted to get married, but with her, I was like, I'm going to marry this That's girl. I mean, so I'm not really she urgent. Was right. Yeah. Well, fine. I mean, I think. With us, I think we knew pretty quick that we were going to be together. The pregnancy comes about and, you know, but we're going to do it. I mean, we were going to do it anyway. What it wasn't one you? of those situations. Yeah. What struck you that moment you saw her? Was it beauty? Was it 
Was it, it was a combination of stuff? Oh, she's gorgeous. No, it, it was. I mean, I can be completely honest. I mean, I had never spoken to her before. I'd seen her and she's gorgeous. I'm like, who is that? Mm. That's what it was. And then talking to her, I mean, she's a really, she's a great person too, but you know, can't lie about that. That was, you know, I guess love at first sight type of thing. Yeah. And if you're tuned so, in at any level, you'll see deeper than just that outside skin too. So, right. uh, you know, I can, uh, pretty quick especially you know well nowadays i can look at people and see them pretty quick and read them right uh, right pretty well, doggone yeah. quick uh yeah. i've my, my wife was the same way you know i saw her at a party man and i and i fell head and heels the first night i ran into her and uh, i had to chase her down a little before i could catch her uh, me too i know but, what you mean she was I dating was, somebody else my wife was dating a guy at the job we were the same place. I had to wait for that to end. That's a whole different story. I had to wait for her to stop dating that. And on top of that, I had in a previous job dated somebody, made that mistake, and I'd vowed to never date anybody I work with. Of course, then I see her at the job. Like, what do I do? But <laughs> of course, life has a way of throwing things in your face and making you make decisions. Yeah. And it just worked out. Eventually, she wasn't there anymore. Stop dating that guy. I just waited and then, you know, made my move and we connected really fast. Wow. So yeah. So you well. had to yeah. put it over on the back burner and wait. Yes, for a little bit. I was just waiting. I was in the wings. I'm just like, that guy's no good. I'll wait for him to mess up. Yeah. Slide in. Yeah, I, I didn't know who I knew she was dating somebody else, but I didn't know who it was or nothing, you know, right. we're from neighboring towns, but, uh, and she didn't really tell me that right off the bat, but, right. uh, right. it eventually, eventually got to that. And, uh, you know, it's, a. Uh, it's a habit of mine of uh, riding, you know, I heard a guy says, you know, I, I get my white horse out and I comb it and clean him all up, put my shiniest armor on and ride in and sweep him up out of the thing and throw him on the back of my saddle. And, you know, and then uh, and then sometime after that, I lose it loses its luster and I'm not I'm not this knight in shining armor anymore. I can't sustain that fault, fake right. behavior, you know, uh, right. Uh, but we were we were married for 17 years so it wasn't like it was a short run this time around uh we were together for almost 25 or something yeah someplace in that neighborhood um and there was another question that come across a minute ago whenever i was thinking about you uh what kind of job were you doing when you met when so this is in i was in new jersey and i was selling cable over the phone oh yeah so yeah people calling in looking for cable and it was a pretty good job sales you know so, you know, it was what it was going in every day, eight hours, talking to people over the phone. And just that job was aside from the pay, which is OK, and the benefits. The only really good thing I got out of that is that I met my wife. Other than that, it was, it was just a job. It yeah, was just well, a place. To you know, I believe in some serendipity and, you know, this that we can and we intersect with people on purpose. And uh, yes, you know, I, I don't I no longer question those kind of things a bit. I roll I with them. You. It was meant to be. Yeah. You never know. Things happen for a reason. No doubt. Yeah. So, uh, got married. where are you like from a spiritual standpoint? Well, you said your family was real religious. I, well, I'll tell you. Um, so growing up, I, just out front, I'm an atheist. I don't even, I don't believe in God at all. So, and partially is because I was being taken to church. I wasn't going to church. And there's a real difference there. So I was having spirituality thrown, thrust upon me 
Yeah, yeah. And so, and I'm a kid at the same time, and I wanted to play football. I wanted to do sports, but as a seven day Adventist, Sabbath is on Saturday. So from Friday night sundown to Saturday sundown, you can't do anything. So I couldn't play mm. any sports, all the stuff. Couldn't hang out with my friends. So that kind of, so I associated negativity. Yeah, yeah. So that's did it. Say, you know, and, then, and then eventually I got older and 9-11 and all these horrible things that happened to people. And it became really difficult for me to believe that there's a deity, that there's a higher power allowing these things to happen. Hmm. Two, I'm a black man in this world and I've had my share of things. That's just a whole nother thing that I've found amazing that my people can be so religious when we've had so much happen. I've always found that to be so it's it's duplicitous to me. It doesn't make sense. Hmm. We've had so much. So from then on in, I'm like, there can't be somebody either. There's somebody and I don't want to deal with them because you're letting all this happen or there's just nobody there. Yeah. And that's just what it is. So I'm not a spiritual person at all. Yeah. Uh, do you like, uh, I guess, no kind of like universal power, zero. I mean, like. I mean, I'll never say never. Right now, I don't think there's anything. I'm, that's not to say that. For well, sometimes me, I say, I will talk about higher power and I'll use like that the universe is working to the good of me, you know. Right. And and I'm not I'm not laser focused on any kind. I don't think it's any kind of single deity kind of white dude on a white beard and a staff. Uh, you know, I, I don't I, not even in a little bit, but I got some things that's happened since I started, you know, asking the universe and for things. You know, that's a little funny sounding, but that's really what happened. I started asking the universe for things and, uh, you know, maybe it's manifestation. That's all that is. Uh, again, you know, um, if it's working, keep right. doing it. If it stops, exactly. you know, I change my yeah. mind. Maybe you I know? hear you. I hear but, you. Uh, and there's some. There's been some um, phenomenons that's happened in my life that I can't explain anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe it's just easy to lay it there. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I would never. I mean, that's obviously just how I feel about things. I would never. Yeah. I Percy, I love those kind of conversations because I'm always interested to hear other people and, you know, why do you believe? And obviously people are going to have situations, things happen, something happened to make you believe, but I throw questions out. I don't mind the conversation. I yeah. think it's, I don't know. I mean, maybe there is, and I just haven't seen an act. Something happened to make me believe that there is a yeah. God. I just think happen things happen for a reason, good or bad. If something bad happens, it was meant to be. If something yep. good happens, it was meant to be. That's yep. how I go about it. Yep. Uh, I understand. You know, the one thing that I have learned, and this has been one of my hangups with spiritual principles from the beginning, is that these pods are saying it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it can't be all of your way in the highway. Somebody's wrong and somebody's right or whatever. Right. You know? Or maybe, you know, I don't know what uh, that always confused me as a little kid, you know, and then into adulthood, it confused me that, that I had to pick somebody's camp and get in it, you know, right. <clears throat> and you know, these people could convince you that their camp is the one. And then mm -hmm. a couple of days later, you run into somebody else and they're from a different camp and they can be just as, um, and you know, the, one of our premises in 12 set spiritual recovery is, is, and it's not just ours, but, uh, that you're born perfect and pure baby comes out. There's nothing more pure and pristine in the world ever. 
as a newborn baby. They got no yep. prejudices. They got no, no, their spirit hasn't been stepped on, you know, and, uh, but we come out here into the world and you get, you know, um, less than hope for parents. You get mm -hmm. uh, neighborhood bullies, peer groups that can be terrible. Uh, I, I don't even, I don't even want to pretend I even have any idea what it's like to be black because I know, you know, that's a whole nother set of stuff right. where it feel like I've, I would think again, I don't, I hesitate to even begin, but that the deck is stacked against me, you know? Uh, and then, yes, sir. You know, then you go to church and they start screwing with you. You know, yep. and and then you can't play ball, and you know, and this bad stuff's coming from me from that direction. Uh, I can totally understand. You know, I can. Well, the way I go with that is that our and you know, we had that perfect spirit when we're born, and we come out in the world, and that spirit gets stomped on time and time and time again it from does. all these different things, uh, the education system, peer groups, uh, your own family, religion, uh, right. you name it. You know, and right. and before long, you know, I don't know how old you are, but 12 years old you're stomped into something completely different than what you were born as you know Absolutely. and you haven't got you didn't have no choice in it you didn't have any you know don't maybe maybe you're lucky enough to have somebody maybe protecting you but maybe not you know there's nobody nurturing your spirit and probably the kind of things i bet you're doing as a father where you're nurturing your children's spirit instead right. you know and uh i had great parents but they didn't nurture my spirit you know uh all my family went to church. Uh, right. Mom's side of the family is Methodist and dad's all Catholic. And I had all a bunch of, I had a bunch of male cousins was born within a year of my age. And so I had all these cool dudes to run around with. You were saying that too, that you had this family and I loved right. that too. But you know, on, on Sunday, they all went to church and I hung around, rode my bike or shot ball or something until they got home. Uh, okay. And I could, I was welcome to go. And sometimes I did. Uh, but, I, but most of the time I did not. Um, so we get that spirit stepped on and then, you know, then, then I basically, then once again, I got set out in the world on my own, got to figure out what I'm going to do with this big baggage of crap <laughs> that's right. been laid on me that I didn't ask for. And, so true. you know, you somehow or another got to reconcile that stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, for a lot of like my community, the dope and the booze helped reconcile it. <laughs> You know, yeah. it ain't a problem yeah. no more temporarily yeah. until it yeah. comes back around. But, you know, I believe that everybody does that. It's not, you know, it's just not alcoholics and addicts. And it's just not anybody that falls into that thing. There are people out there, what we call them normies, that have the same baggage, but handle it in a different way. You know, no doubt. Uh, mm -hmm. may not okay. pick up unhealthy behaviors, uh, you know, and seem to sort that out. Because, I mean, it really doesn't commute, compute to me one bit how you can, like, wake up one day and say, okay, I'm done with that life. I'm moving to the next one. It was all wired different, you know. Oh, no all doubt. wired different. It felt like necessity for me to do it, and I think with religion, I think one thing to keep out for me, I've always separated it. There's spirituality, and there's religion. Yep. Religion is the thing I had the issue with. Religion is what really pushed me away. I still have spirituality is kind of an individual thing. Yep. Religion is the thing I really had a problem. Because yep. in the end, if I ever decide it's going to be me with whoever I worship or believe in, whatever, and that's my own personal thing. It doesn't need a title. It doesn't need a building to go to. I don't need to give money to it or anything. It's just who I relate and believe in, if that ever happens. Religion yep. is the bad part yep. to me. It's the people. And it, people, 
mess everything up. <laughs> uh, so true. Get so humans true. involved in it. They'll screw it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, I'm, you know, that, uh, that was what so was in a lot of people look at to hear about AA and 12 step programs and they associate it with religion, you know, mm. and the truth of the matter is, is I'm encouraged to do whatever I don't have to have. I don't have to pick one. I don't even, I mean, I, I know atheists that are in AA that do not believe in, uh, they certainly don't believe in a God that might last as like the Christian God kind of thing. Right. Uh, and they really, you know, some of them, uh, some of them do kind of lean towards some universal power out there doing something that's making the sun come up and the tides move and all that. Um, but so it was refreshing to be allowed to make my own. And I, this sounds a little crazy and some people might, I am a little crazy. Uh, but I was given a, you know, went to Walmart and got a big ball of clay and I was encouraged to form my own thoughts about a home, about a higher power, you know, and, uh, and, and, and I was encouraged to start asking that to help me, you know, I was looking at six to 20 years in prison and I didn't want to go to prison. Right. And, right. and I was, why don't you try this? And it sounded like a real shot in the dark, but, uh, I was like at the end of the road, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything else really. I didn't, there wasn't nobody else offering me a solution. And, uh, so I started doing that and stuff started getting better, you know, and I can also see how that could be. I too believe in some manifestation that we can, we can wish stuff to some extent into being, you know, I mean, I can, I I will self steer myself in what I want or, uh, I don't really mean, you know, and I don't know how I'm thinking about this exactly. I, that's one of the things when I talk it out like this, that's thinking. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just uh, just uh, dialoguing it. But uh, yeah, that do am I am I am I am I setting my focus on something I want, and then just by proxy I steer my way there. Or mm-hmm. do I set my thoughts on something I want and the universe helps me get to where I want to be? Uh, I, I, I have, I think there's some truth to both of those things in, in, in my life, but even more so than them, let me have my own higher power. Uh, nobody's judging anybody about what you pick. You know, we're all sitting around in rooms together and going and doing stuff together. And we have, some of us have vastly different ideas about what, this higher power, God of our misunderstanding, whatever it is. And, and, but we're not at odds at one another, you know, and, you know, most of the world's wars and battles and crusades and uh, holocausts and stuff been that's happened. The worst stuff that's ever happened has been as a result of two people not agreeing on that subject. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Oh, you're right. You're completely right. Yes. Yeah, never the end. Really got to put that together. Yeah, God is really at the center of a lot of war and travesty yeah. and famine. Or, you know, get back. It's really, it's the people. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yes, and their yes. ideas about what they think that is or what they don't, exactly. what they think it ain't, you know. In the yeah. name of, as opposed to the actual being. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, tricky subject is you know they always say you can't talk about politics or religion but uh, right. i don't think that's true i think we can talk about those things and not have to no we're adults uh, no we can have you know we should be able to have a discussion about yeah. it you know as long as we leave it just 
being respectful. I think that's the best way to handle it. We should do that for every conversation. So. Yeah, we should. We should. It yeah. just seems. Of course, I'm, uh, uh, I have two totally different. I don't watch any TV. I don't get into that one bit. But you can't stay completely out of it. You know, it doesn't right. make any difference. Right. I don't know where you would go to do that. Uh, but of course, I'm half-ass aware of what's going on in the world today. Uh, I just don't. I just don't give it much of my life energy uh, right. uh, about it. And. Uh, I was going someplace with that and I lost it. So let's get back to you on this. uh, You know, uh, she come into the marriage with two two kids by this time. Yes. So she had when I met her, she had a four year old son, two year old daughter. Okay. I met them and we connected pretty well. And like I said, she was pregnant. So a year later, two kids and she was eight months pregnant when we got married. And from then on in, just moved in together, raised kids, just living life. And I, I kept that job by then. She was long gone out of that job. So, you know, we're just kind of working and just maintaining and building up because that job I wasn't doing well in. So, you know, we were really just broke, just kind of making it check to check, week to week, surviving. But we built up and we built up to be able to buy a house, then buy another house and to do well. And then she went to school. She's a dental hygienist. Mm -hmm. She's done a lot of good things to the point that I am now a stay-at-home dad. And she's the one that works. And I'm able to stay and raise the four kids while she goes out there and brings home the proverbial bacon. So yes, we well, I think that that's transition. another one of the downfalls of our society is, and I'm, I'm not alone here. And, and again, I'm just speaking, uh, <laughs> speaking the truth as I see it, uh, is that the two income families where mom and dad dumped out on the kids, you know, and who knows what, you know, they're getting latchkey kids and being raised right. by school and all that. I think it's imperative that one of the parents be home with the kids and I don't care which one it is. Uh, exactly. That's, that, that's exactly it, how it I be think. an ideal way to grow up as far as I could see. Yes. Yeah, somebody should be there. I've never been a fan of the daycare thing. I don't like somebody who isn't a parent watching my kids. Yeah. So when it eventually came to the point where it was just me being a stay at home dad, I think I really embraced it because I'm raising my kids now and it should be one of us. And yep. if as long as we were able to do it, this is the way it's supposed to be. They come home, there's somebody here, somebody picks them up from school, takes them to their events, helps them with their homework, laundry, whatever. And I think I like the idea of it. What that eventually led to is being part of a Caribbean family. The whole idea of the man staying at home, raising the kids does not fit into a kind of patriarchal, you know, culture that I grew up in. So people could not handle that. Why aren't you working? What are you doing? What kind of man are you? You're just kind of at home and, you know, your wife should be watching the kids. You should be out working. So did you actually hear that or did you see that that was going on? So you actually confronted that. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I mean, it's more subtle now, but I still hear it. Yeah. It's still something there. You know, my mom be like, oh, you know, you're working, you know, you know, your wife should be the one taking care of the kids and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, it just feeds into a lot of things. It really started to annoy me because it's, I think there's just this idea that the mom is a better parent and that she should be doing it. And the father, should, I'm just a babysitter or I'm just kind of here helping out raise the kids. And that started to bother me because I'm not helping anybody raise my kids. I'm raising kids. I'm not babysitting. I'm not here until mom comes home. It's me. 
And it just led into a lot of things, a lot of questions about what it means to be a man. I'm a father. I'm not just a visitor. I am not involved in my kids' lives. I am in their lives. There's a difference. And that led to just a lot of my thinking, just life and how I've led into things. Did you struggle at all with that personally as a male? Did you, I know you said, you know, other people saying stuff, but you didn't yourself didn't struggle with that. Not at all. I, I, and I still do. Yeah. I, these are my kids, man. I take, these are my children. They have, I mean, two of them have my last name. They're my kids. And, I, I just, I, you know, uh, almost because I believe at some level our DNA has done this to us, you know, and it's been societal from the beginning of time when the man would go out and kill the dinosaur right. and drag it back in and mom right. was there, you know, and I really think that's probably just the way those societies were and it's right. still carried into us today. And I think I carry something once in a while. I like, um, I, I know I can admit today that when my wife started making more money than me or started catching up to my salary, it was a threat to me, you know, and it was a is a sick threat. It wasn't a healthy thought. I won't begin to say that that was the way I should have been. And I was already sick with this other, you know, already pumping in the booze and drugs and stuff. You know, and I even though I was doing that, I was still present, you know, in in my kids lives. I, and it wasn't like I, you know. I was, I was a long way from a monster. Uh, and, and we didn't like daycare either. So, but we had two sets of grandparents that just loved it. So, I mean, we, when we were, we were both working, but we did for a while where, uh, she worked a nursing shift on the weekends and I worked, uh, during the week. And so the weekends were my, I was on duty. And, uh, and, and she was working them 12 hour shifts at night. So, you know, you had to, you know, um, it'd be best if she wasn't having trouble sleeping. And, um, and then during the week she was with them while I was at work, you know, and I'd come home and we have dinner at 5 PM after work, you know, I mean, uh, that's another thing, you know, I know how my disease and what it did to me and where it took me. Uh, I sometimes worry that maybe I'm putting out a image that wasn't really true that i was some kind of monster you know uh i was really i mean my kid i could i did some things i regret and most of that you know is late it would be as a result of 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 that Uh, that's not me when i'm not fogged up and 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 when i'm when we say spiritually fit so here's another spiritual angle so do you believe that you have a unique spirit a soul uh essence uh something that is you that's a great question the wife and i we've had this question we've talked about the idea the concept of a soul and i've always been kind of confused about that i don't know i don't really know i i feel like there's an essence there's something about me but i don't know because to me even the idea of a soul seems tangible even though it really isn't so i don't i don't know it's a good question you listen to some podcasts I, and I'll dig in the, I'll go in these rabbit holes over like what consciousness is, right. you know, what is consciousness? The fact that I'm conscious that I'm speaking to you and I'm moving through the world. Uh, and that's where I'll get into that. Like that kid was born with the perfect spirit. You know, there's nothing, and I don't even know what else to call it, but there definitely is some kind of essence. There's something that may, you know, there was never one of me before and there never going to be another one. And the same thing with you, you know, Uh, and so there's some kind of unique thing that makes Harvey Harvey and you won't be able to shake it either. You know, it doesn't make any difference. Like I'm still Dan, even sick, well, uh, healthy, 
whatever, uh, I'm still Dan and, you know, and, and this me, you know, we put the name tag Dan on it, but, uh, however that had been and, uh, that that spirit gets, can get sick by all that, uh, worldly stuff. And, uh, and, you know, that's one of the, you know, again, most of, like I said, in the beginning of the podcast and, you know, and, but I shouldn't say that I get I put words into it, but I said at the beginning of the podcast, it seems that our, uh, uh, life is getting lost and then finding yourself again, mm-hmm. you know, you. and, and you, you did that at some point. I really did. Lost. You didn't yes. know what to do with yourself. You knew what yep. she was doing. It wasn't working for you and you needed something different. My life is not supposed to be like this. And yep. you turned the corner, you know, yeah. uh, and, and made a conscious decision, a conscious decision to, yeah. uh, wow. to do something different, you know? So that thing that made that decision is something, you know, and I don't That's know. True. I, I, you know, and I'm not trying to convince you. I'm, I'm saying like, no, I, of course, way that I'm, uh, I, I'm fascinated by it. First off, once I finally have gotten well and can actually like, feel like I'm partaking in this human race thing that I deserve the oxygen that you're sharing with me. Uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really interested in other people and what makes them tick in this, this whole, you know, why is that guy really good at math? And why is this guy really good at communicating and right. you know, these little tweaks in us, but I don't think it's just training. I think a piece of it is, you know, there's a term thrown around now about the social construct, right. You know, yeah. uh, yes, that, that our society is what makes us what we are, you know, but, uh, and I agree with that to some extent or maybe to a great extent, uh, but there's still like, I don't know, like this free will thing that where if I wanted to hit, hit the power button on that computer right now and just sign off, I'm welcome to do it. You know, right. it'd be an asshole move, but, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and then that's where you get into these people who are taking turns at doing stuff much worse than that. You know, the, you know, a lot of people out there have taken this turn. Uh, one way to reconcile it for me, and this is part of 12 step teaching is to assume that, you know, once I was, once my spirit was sick and I have gotten well now, that it is the spiritually sick person that is doing that. Uh, that allows me to have some detachment from them, actually have some sympathy for them that perhaps just like me, when I, cause today there's a line in the sand almost of sober Dan and not sober Dan. And they're two completely different people, you know, and it's to some extent, uh, I wasn't, uh, I can't really be, I can't take the full blame for what, where I went because of the nature nurture thing, you know, the, right. Exactly. I got this yeah. big bag of baggage and I just couldn't handle it healthy. Uh, and, and, you know, I have to grant say, well, maybe that's the same thing with that guy that's doing terrible things, you know, not that it really matters, but, you know, to some extent uh, we wrestle with, the human condition and why are you, why are they doing this? And why are, you know, especially when it comes to bad, you know, when people are doing evil. Right. True. That's true. You know, that's, uh, it gets the kind of takes down that road on, uh, uh, since getting sober, these ancient spiritual teachings, I've been open to hear them, you know, uh, I won't pretend to know what I'm listening to. Uh, but you know, one of the things, one of the old, one of the ones all the time was the old, God and the devil. Right. You know, and the devil made me do it. 
And, you know, and, and one person got all the blame and the other person got all the praise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I almost think today that that was just this same human condition trying to reconcile this stuff. You know, I don't know that they really meant that, but they didn't have any other way to talk about it. And they were just using language and trying to almost like a, like, like I speak in analogies a lot. I'll say, and, uh, and, and that helps my mind reconcile things. Uh, and so, you know, maybe that's all that is too. You know, that was humans trying to reconcile things they didn't yeah. understand. Cause we do, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll speak again for me. I have this certain need to like know some stuff, right? I want to understand. I want to, uh, I, I want to balance in my, in my being. I want to feel solid where I'm at. And, 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 and so that means I end up reconciling why this does that. I mean, my, I'm a, I'm very mechanical. I went to a girl's house before this, she called me up. She couldn't get her washer in her apartment room, her dryer. And it's in the closet. It's weird. She just rented out this. We helped her move this weekend and she's got this little closet. The dryer goes in and the washing machine is in the kitchen. And so she bought this dryer and had it over and the dryer is too big to fit in the room. And, you know, my brain says all dryers are the same size. You know, I know you can get bigger industrial ones, but kind of standard, you know, your range in your kitchen is 30 inches wide. Uh, I found no other way but to disassemble the thing to take it through the door and put it back together when we got it. Oh, wow. And I did that. I got home at 830 tonight. I told her it was six o'clock and I said, I'll come over and help you, uh, but I got to be home by nine. And uh, so like my brain, where I was going with that is that I do have some kind of mechanical aptitude that's in me. And, you know, uh, uh, not that I need to know, but there is a piece of me of like, how much did that, is that from my dad? Cause he is too, right. you know, like, cause he just taught me, you know, I, okay. when, when something needs to be fixed, my dad would tear into it and we'd fix it, you know, and I was my, I'm the older brother and I got, you know, when, dad's buddy Jim's washing machine went out. Well, we grabbed some tools and dad said, come with me. We're going to go fix Jim's washing machine. And, and we would go do that. <laughs> and uh, of course it's a little bit of a thing about we, you know, cause I hand him a pair of pliers and, but I learned while I watched him do this stuff. Right. And, uh, right. and, but I also think that I have a, like a natural born type of uh, gift in that direction. I don't think it's all learned. I think it's kind of like uh, when I talk about this stuff about the genetic disposition for alcoholism, and then you right. add some trauma to that. Uh, yeah. That's that's the way people go lots, and uh, with this mechanical, you know, this this same wiring I'm talking about about how we're wired different. Uh, I'm wired to do that mechanical stuff, and I'll go to work on something. And people say I'm not handy at all, and I say, "Well, you're probably really good at something that I can't do at all, too." You know, I mean, we all we we seem to have our gifts. True, true, right. I'm not handy at all. I wish I'm I'm mess when it comes to tools or anything, but I'm pretty good at math. My dad's an accountant, oh, yeah. so I kind of, yeah, so I think I kind of picked it up a little bit of that. But even I, I struggle with math a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, so did you ever to aspire point. to a career or did you just do what was available to you? Um, I, when I growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. Did so I, I wanted, and you know, I grew up in an, I'm an eighties kid. I grew up, I wanted to, I watched LA law and I'm like, I like all these shows where there's court cases and all this stuff. I'm like, I wanted to do that. And then when I got into school to do it, then it didn't seem that appealing once I was actually in it. 
Wasn't as much fun when you got to school. Exactly. And I mean, I did it in high school. I did the mock trials and all that stuff. And it was cool. But when I got to actually taking the classes and learning law, I didn't like it as much. Step back. And but by then, I've been best around. Eventually, I got a degree in business administration. You know, I finished. I did something. But there's not much you can do with that. I ended up just going to sales. And that's how I ended up selling cable over the phone and doing that thing. And I've, that's one of the things with me is that I've, one of my things that I've never really figured out what I want to do. I'm 47 now and I'm still like, what should I be doing? I don't have no career. What do I want to do when I grow up? Exactly. I've been asked, I ask myself that question every day. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm a pretty good writer. I think I want to write uh-huh. and I kind of enjoying this podcasting. So I'm like, I think I might have found something that I like to do. So I think it only took only took me a little less than five decades to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. So see, I, I have this this other thing where I need to label you, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's something that happens in society. Uh, hey, man, what do you do? Right. And, right. And then we we actually set up a hierarchy according to what that answer is. Right. You know, lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, garbage man. Uh, yeah. you know, which one's more important? Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. For me, stay at home dad. I, I'm always interested when I see that because the response, yeah. the reaction is always interesting to see. So stay at home. That's what you do. You know, some people respect it a lot. Some people are like, really, that's what you're doing. So I don't know where the stay at home father is on that hierarchy. Yeah. You right. know, yep. definitely not a lawyer. Yeah. It, it, you know, there'd be a certain amount of judgment that'd be piled on you. If you said lawyer. Oh, definitely. Right? Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it wouldn't be any different. No than, it'd just be a different perspective. It wouldn't be any lighter. Uh, right. Exactly. It'd be a doctor. Same thing. No, you charge too much. Insurance is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Make all this money. Not, there's nothing. I don't think there's a real job that you can do where everybody's like, wow. Hey, that's great. And everybody that loves that some thought. Yeah. I have to yeah. find that out. I mean, even if you're a pastor or a priest or something, there's going to be somebody who has some issues of religion or. Oh yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. not safe. You can't be. Yeah. Not, not at safe all. In that not at all. There's nothing. Maybe. That's maybe part of what, uh, that, that was some of what hampered my spiritual thoughts was when we watched all those, pre, all those TV pastors getting in all the trouble they did back yeah. then. Cause I'm 52. So we're just, five years away from one another and right. we probably saw a lot of the same you know media and Definitely. what was going on but that was certainly one there's a line in that and i keep on pointing i have alcoholics anonymous big book sitting next to me and uh and there's really some great writing in it you know um but there's a line in there that says uh that we couldn't see the beauty of the forest because it's the ugliness of some of the trees and it's yeah, That's a good and, statement. Uh, you know, I yeah. can catch myself doing that and and uh, almost using it as a excuse. I have another uh, little premise too that most people have a card in their pocket, like uh, like that they play. They have a card they play, and when you ask them, when you ask them a difficult question, like if you get into spirituality, they'll say, uh, "I don't believe in that because of this," and they'll have this right. thing that happened to them. You know, and they play that right. card, and if you yeah. If you dance with them for a minute, man, they might have a pocket full of cards, you know, mm-hmm. and you hit somebody else and they do believe because of this, like me, you know, I had this stuff happen to me. I don't know how to explain it, <laughs> you know, uh, play my cards and lay them out there. And this is why, uh, I don't know. It's a little interesting, uh, thing I've noticed, uh, that's, well, that's me that talking in analogies Yeah, that, you know, 
that doesn't make any sense really, but when I say it, people understand what I'm saying. We all have a defense mechanism. We have something to respond to situations and just so that, you know, society understands us and doesn't judge us as much. So I hear you. I know I got a whole pocket full of cards. Yeah. So yeah. I know that. Yeah. Back <laughs> me into a corner. That's not really what it is. But back me yeah. in the corner, man. I'll start playing my cards to justify my existence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. We all do. Oh, we all do. Yeah. I hear you. So what's a normal day look for you? Look like for you? So, I mean, so my daughter, my oldest daughter has to be at her bus stop at 5.55 in the morning. Oh. And I drive her to the bus stop. So around 5.30, I get up, get her to the bus stop, come back home. My next two uh, daughters, they go to the same school. So wake them up, dress, breakfast. Then I drive them to school. And then I come back home and I may just kind of relax a little bit, you know, crash a bit, you know, being up that early eventually catches up to me towards the end of the week. So Monday, Tuesday, my right Thursday and Friday, I start to feel it, but it's good. And then they come home and then it's just homework and feeding them and getting stuff done and doing what we have to. So yep. it's just what we do. It's just habit. It's yep. just a pattern. Yeah. Yep. Just fall I into have, our system. Yeah. My, I have a 16 year old daughter and 18 year old son. So, you know, I'm kind of on the tail end. Now they're both driving, right? So they both oh, drive themselves good. to school and stuff. And that that's um, really changed stuff a lot. But I totally hear you on that. Uh, uh, they were just far enough in school that there would always be a school year that one of them would be in elementary and one would be in middle school. Mm -hmm. Or want to be in middle school and want to be in high school. And when that little split right. happened, when when they were together, it made it easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, one drive. Jumped, I hear that. When they I jumped that. that little letter thing. Uh, yeah. uh, and... Yeah, you know, I I get up and and fix my kids' breakfast and get them ready for school, you know, and not really think, of, you know, not think a thing about it most days, you know. I was I was still, you know, and even when I was drinking and stuff, I still would do what needed to be done for the most part. Right. Um, right. And uh, so let me ask you another stereotypical question. Sure. So like house cleaning and all that, is that laying in your thing or is that shared? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I do that all. I have a wife who is very particular about cleaning and stuff gets done. So no matter what I do, she still comes around and she and she finishes it off. But yes, I'm like, I'm yeah. I'm kind I of think about the, the role reversal kind of thing. Yes, like, you know, very uh, much so. You know, uh, for instance, my ex-wife was the typical male uh, went out and made the money mom stayed home and uh and i see how that like I, I could see stuff happen there like he didn't clear his plate from the table you know no. and uh and, and you know there was like so little effort made to do that kind of thing almost like an archie bunker deal you know where mm -hmm. that's that's yeah. like the stereotypical one where yeah. he's just uh, eat and leave yeah he yeah. just take care of everything i know yeah. what you mean no I, no i took that once i decided i want him to be a stay-at-home dad i'm everything i'm not a great cook you know i can't i i feed the kids i do what i do but we take care of things kids should be living in just like filth so right. yep. <laughs> make sure we take care of things yep. but, has you know. to be done you know and yes, and sir. even in any of that stuff it's a sliding scale and whatever you two are okay with is right. what's okay you know mm -hmm. uh you know i know a lot of people that team up on that stuff husband and wife and they have a day yeah. of the week and they both clean house together mm -hmm. uh you know uh we did that some i suppose but uh cleanliness you know we don't have, we don't live in a pigsty but i'm not that uh 
I'm not that concerned that things are not just perfect. I let that go. Uh, yeah. Now I'm in a bachelor home. You know, the kids primarily live with their mom. She lives right. just a couple miles down the road, you know, and, and we're great. in contact and we're all in good, uh, have a good relationship uh, all the way across. But when they got a little older, they got started being tired. But for the longest time since we got divorced, they stayed seven days here and seven days there, seven days uh, here. And they just got tired of moving really is a bigger thing. They didn't want to pack up their crap and haul it right. over here and vice versa, which I can right. totally understand. And as long as mom's mom dad's okay with it now again if everybody's okay with it it's okay uh but yeah, uh yeah, we're maintaining yeah but like me and dad we live here together my 84 year old father lives with me and uh that's good and you can tell this is a bachelor place yes uh, and it looks good no you yeah. told me about that it's, how's yeah. your dad's health how's he doing is he well? oh, he's doing great yep he is it's that's just, awesome just just a super blessing and he's uh well and up uh, adam and doing i mean you would never think that he's 84. <laughs> that's good yeah. that's good he's really is a warm spot in my heart too to be able to we always had that relationship Mary he told told me around when we was doing handyman stuff when i was a little kid and he took me hunting and fishing and all that stuff and my brother would come a lot but he but he didn't always and i all i felt like i always went and i wanted to you know i don't ever remember giving dad any resistance about going out to do uh handyman work and go someplace and, and do something i was just uh happy to be with my dad i guess right. you know i didn't process it at all uh wasn't like i was sitting around in gratitude because i had a good dad uh, it just seemed just seemed normal uh, and now That's later on in life, I get to kind of reverse it in a way and uh, to help, help take he, take care of him. He's a social dude. And I know uh, I know that he likes being here because he's got somebody around to That's uh, good. have a loved That's one good. there nearby, you know. That's uh, good. It's good. His, his aunt, his sisters, you know, are uh, sitting at home alone. And uh, you know, he doesn't have to worry about that. He's got, you know community in a way he's got his yeah. son yeah kind of live and he does stay social happen. too he goes out and does coffee in the morning goes and lunches and he's 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 stays in his uh social circles uh that's good pretty tightly that's good what do you do that direction um well when you have as many kids as i do nothing right don't now get to do too much so don't get i'll to do a lot you know i work out go to the gym try to write do stuff like that you know and then occasionally maybe step out with the wife and you know have dinner you know yeah yeah, I totally understand. Like it's almost like yeah. it's almost was a dumb question because at the moment it's all <laughs> kids and maybe to eke out a little bit of time now and again. Yeah. Yeah. You do the gym a lot or just how, what frequency at the gym? Um, well, I mean, they're gone during the day, so I try to go three, four days a week. It depends. It, it, right. At the same time, because dealing with the kids at time, fatigue will just come. It's just I'm not meant to go, but I try to do it as yeah. much as possible. I'm a diabetic also, so I have yeah. to keep up with my health. Mm -hmm. So going to the gym is important. I have to make sure yeah. I take yeah. care of myself and I got to be around for my wife and these kids. So yeah. Yeah. I have to make sure, you know, I take care of everything. But um, it's another one of those simple little things, really. You know, I, another thing I've said lately is that you um, I've been reading some of that stoicism stuff right from the stoic you know in the yep. teachings you know that these mm -hmm. like i said these ancient spiritual teachings for lack of a better uh way right. to put it and uh you know they were struggling with the same problem we struggle with today and the answers are pretty much the same answers as they was two thousand plus years ago and we're still trying to learn them uh and one of them is is take care of your body 
Yep. You know, and you, just, you yeah. just feel better, you know, and there's a whole lot of things, you know, we are, you and I are getting into an age thing, man. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to pay for it dearly soon. Oh, no doubt. Oh yeah, definitely. And I don't think about it in terms of myself, for me, I mean, obviously I want to take care of myself, but I really want to be around for everyone. Right. So in my head, it's like, I have to take care of myself so that I can be there to see for my them, kids huh? succeed and thrive and move out of the house and do things. I want to be around for everyone. But in that's, one of the few times you can be selfish. Taking care of yourself is a personal decision to live longer and to live better, live happier. So it's yeah. definitely. Important. I think you have to be selfish. Actually, I think it's yes. it's actually a, a a personal calling that you need to be selfish when it comes to taking care of yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to be around. Yeah. You, we don't want that. You're no good to anybody if you're no good. Exactly. Exactly. As a matter of so fact, true. what you wind up being is a whole nother level of burden. Exactly. And that's the last thing I want to be. Yeah. No, I want to live with my kids, be comfortable, grandkids and see yeah, them right. grow yeah. and come yeah, to the world. Right. I don't want to have to be. Yeah. I want to be around. To see everything. In the yard exactly. Right. That's the plan. That's the plan. We'll see if the legs hold up, but that's the plan. Yeah. I think you keep on, uh, keep on doing what you're doing and that, that, that will happen. Um, you know, that's another place in my life that I have to have a, a, a healthy social life, you know, and 12 step recovery gives me this, like said in the beginning of podcast, it gives me this mutual support group, these people who deal with the same stuff I deal with. Right. And, uh, and it's like built in and, and it means like, it means more to me than in about anything to have those guys. Cause I know they got my back, you know, I feel supported. You know, and maybe some people get that out of their, they feel fully supported through their relationship. Uh, I don't have one of them right now. Uh, I never did feel like fully supported. Maybe that's a downfall of the relationships I had is that I never was able by some of it was as I couldn't allow myself to be fully supported either. I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't give of myself completely that didn't have the ability to be that vulnerable, but. Uh, that's an important thing being supported. And, and that's one of the reasons I ended up doing the podcast, because I felt like it was something that men, no matter the situation, I don't think we always feel like we have a support group, a support staff, somebody. We tend to be the supporters, but we don't really get it. So I don't I don't have somebody to talk to in case something's going on, if life is too hectic, if I'm struggling and, you know, and I find other ways to cope. Maybe I drink or I do drugs or whatever, do things. And I feel like it, we need outlets and people are good outlets friends are good outlets for things that are going on and especially men we have a special kind of struggle that we deal with so i like the idea of creating something where men could just kind of just talk about stuff and just getting it out is like half the battle you know we deal with stuff and i just hold it in it's going to come out negatively but if i have a positive non-judgmental place to just release what's going on in life and my struggles life is so much and it's and it's good for your health too stress is not good for your heart for anything so i feel like a place to just kind of let it out i'm i'm scared i'm struggling i don't know what to do i should be able to say that to somebody and not feel bad about it. so yep. it'll support okay, right. you know, i almost look at them like a grounding post like a like electricity charge i get charged occasionally now and then mm -hmm. and i'm able to like reach out to one of them and dissipate that charge that's good. Uh, to, uh, release my negative energy. I say release my negative energy to the universe through right. safe people. 
I have to have exactly. safe people to be able to do that with. And there's nothing else that really, you know, there's nothing that 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 will do that job besides my support, my friends, the guys who I really do. You know, the men I'm hugging a lot and we'd say we love each other. And uh, mean it. Yeah. I mean, that we don't we just say it. We mean it. But we will tell yeah. each other that in public, you know, and, uh, and that's and that's a beautiful thing, because that's that's not something that was always expected or accepted that that's something that you've grown to and that's beautiful you should be able to say that with no fear of any repercussions or any judgment yeah. but it was reprisal you know yeah. i mean we got guys we're, our group's a hugging group you know and like shaking hands is the typical thing but we hug you know that's and good. uh that's yeah. emotional and you should yeah. be able to connect you, feel you connect it, with you know? somebody yeah, yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, but I couldn't, you know, when I, when I got here, I couldn't do that. It was very uncomfortable. Uh, right. To, right. To be hugging these dudes that I didn't hardly know. And, uh, <laughs> well, you got to get there. And it's, that's yep. part of the journey. That's part of the process. Being open enough to be vulnerable enough to hug, whatever, say, I love you, stuff like that. Things that should have no other connotations other than just comfort and love. just, respect and love for somebody yep. it's sad that it's uh, such a such a battle to even do it yeah i heard a guy say uh i had a guest his podcast actually come in come out today and he or sunday this week and he was talking about they're able to measure frequencies of the energy that comes off of people okay and they can actually feel it and they're starting to be able to measure it and like the highest frequency there is is love and uh and then also the the note that's it's associated with the heart chakra is an F and that's a real high note. Okay. Uh, and more of these coincidences that, that come in there like that. And, uh, you know, we, you feel it when you're, when you are loved and when you are supported like that, you feel it, you know, it. and it's, uh, and you know, it's, it's a beautiful period, whether if it's in your significant relationship or, uh, among friends or family or, you know, my dad, uh, so let's go to the podcast for a few minutes because I want to ask you about the writing and then what made the podcast come to fruition. So, so the wife that I've been talking about, when the um, when the pandemic started, basically we're home and nothing really to do. We can't work. We can't go anywhere, and we just have good conversations. We don't agree on a lot of things, which probably is a good thing why we work well. But we're like, we should just do a podcast. We have these conversations, and we just have a mic in the room. So we're like, let's start doing a podcast. And we did that. We called it Love is Black. Obviously a black couple. We're just talking about relationships, you know, the ups and downs, how you deal with it with kids and all kinds of stuff. And I like doing that. And what I decided at some point, I'm like, I like the idea of it, but I think I've always wanted to do my own, do my own podcast. And it really stems from how I perceive men, fathers are, you know, kind of seen in society. It's really started with me and how, I was perceived as a grassland, you know, stay-at-home dad. The whole idea that that's strange. It's out of pocket to do that. Yeah. And it expands to a lot of things. So I'm like, I want to do a podcast for men to just talk about stuff. What is going on? For one, to release it. But two, for other men to hear it. Hear that it's okay to talk about things and maybe pick up something from it. So from there, that led to me doing my own podcast. And that's, you know, Men Are the Prize. Um, and I got that title primarily because I would always hear that women are the prize hmm. and never that men are the prize. So I've always had this idea that I feel like a good relationship, a good marriage, you got two prizes, not just one. Yeah. So me saying men are the prize doesn't mean women aren't. It just means that I'm acknowledging that we men are too. 
And then we have our own set of issues that we have to deal with. And that's what this podcast is. It's an opportunity to talk about things, about issues that pretty much every man deals with and probably doesn't know how to talk about. So hearing men talk about it, and I was lucky enough to have you on to just kind of, what's your purpose in life? What are you, what are you excited about? What motivates you? What do you want to be? You know, all these things, who are you type of things that we typically don't have these kind of conversations. Yeah. I'm like, we should do it on the podcast. So that's where that came about. Yeah. Super cool. Um, I love it. You know, there's a, some stuff about, you know, a period of time and on the TV that the male of the household was a bumbling idiot. That was his role, you know? Oh, and, oh my God. And so true. Seen, uh, so true. Whatever those TV shows and stuff. And it, and started to get to be like, uh, uh, it's just, that's what was out there. And, uh, and along with that, uh, I, you know, I want to say I was taught, but I, it wasn't my dad that taught me this, but that stuff and stuff and not being vulnerable and don't be seen as a wimp. Don't be seen mm -hmm. as a, uh, a sissy, you know, don't cry. Don't, you know, don't do all this stuff that, um, you know, that for some reason I couldn't understand why I couldn't. Right. But by golly, people around me was letting me known that that wasn't okay. And so now I got to start doing this deal where I'm fighting myself and trying to be something that, that is contrary to what I'm feeling inside of me. And I think that's one of the things is that having these men talk and, and get to share this stuff is one of the best things about the internet. Cause that's what I listen to all day. Uh, guys talk and uh, to know that, you know, that I'm not alone that, you know, cause we can kind of do that. We can, we can, one of my podcast guests not long ago talked about the silos we build up around ourselves. Yes. Sir. We build these silos around us, you know, and we don't see out of it and, and, uh, and we don't see beyond the wall of it. And you think you're in there all alone, you know, and, you know, and he said, we think at one point he says, all you gotta do is open the door and walk out, right. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. but allowing, you know, I didn't know how to be vulnerable until some men taught me how to do that. You know, I mean, right. er, er, everything in my life today is a result. Everything good in my life today is this result of 12 step uh, recovery. Um, you know, I started to hedge on that because I did have a beautiful role model for a dad, but right. with that role model, I still couldn't live up to it. And I wondered to some days if that wasn't what was going on there, where I didn't feel like I could live up to that, you know, and and sometimes we will sell ourselves way short rather than fall just a little short. Yes, like, I'd rather agreed. be tenth than second. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I do like that that they're able to. Do you go after a particular uh, guests, or you do you look for a particular um, demographic, I mean, or not at all? What I I'll be honest when I originally started is my idea because obviously I'm a black man and I feel like we have our own certain set of um, struggles that we deal yep. with. And that was my original plan. But once I kind of put myself out there looking for guests, all of us men kind of deal with the same set, the same kind of basic struggles that we all have. So the idea of just black men pretty, went away pretty fast. There's a lot of men who just deal with the same thing, the same, you know, rub dirt on it, don't cry, yep. you know, show, don't let them see you sweat, all that type of Walk stuff. Walk it off. Exactly. Walk it off. That's what we're supposed to deal with. We yeah. all deal with that. So I'm like, I just like talking to men. One thing I did know is that, and you've been on it and I made a point 
before I put people on, I'm like, listen, the first episode of this podcast is me. So the questions that I ask and the kind of conversation I have, I do it with me. Listen to this first. Yeah. Because if you decide to do it, I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to probe a little bit. Yeah. I want to figure out why you did this, why you're struggling, what happened. So in a way, I'm looking for men who can handle that conversation. And there's nothing wrong with you if you can't, because right. we're not all there yet. But I'm looking for people who want to be open, who want to kind of explore their struggle and what's going on and just get it out and speak. So just men who are ready to talk about it and just, you know, and see where it goes. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. I got hit a little bit with something you were saying, because I can totally understand that sometimes when I've got a guest and I may be going down a path, they don't want to go down. Uh, <laughs> but most of the time, the people that speak in recovery, they're pretty open. They've gotten used because that's what happens in recovery meetings. People talk about their darkness, you know, and you realize, you know, oh, hell, I did that too. You know, uh, oh, I thought I was the only guy drank and drove with my kids in the car. Uh, and just all these different things that are not, you know, the, the dark side of what goes on. So my guests generally won't. But I've had a few that uh, that kind of nodded me off, kind of like, uh and, okay. and I respect yeah. that 100%, you know, but, right. you know, I don't really know where, you know, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with these interviews and these talks. I, right. I, I'm not like, right. I'm, uh, but yeah, to have, so, but I'm picking a certain segment of people who are used to talking about the darkness and you right. could just have anybody come in that doesn't, right. may not right. know what they're getting into. <laughs> I've had that happen. So I'm, I mean, what I started doing is that the podcast kind of goes over the prize, the word prize, and I have specific things that I talk about. And I kind of let them know. I'll send that to them first. That's what these letters stand for. That's what this means. To give them an idea of what I'm going to ask. And that still doesn't mean they're going to be fully prepared to what we're going to talk about. Because like any interview, you can go anywhere. One thing can lead to something entirely different. And I always ask people, if there's anything you don't want me to talk about, is there anything that is off limits? And if I get that, I know to steer away right. from that. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm looking for, and most people like I'm an open book to talk about anything. I see that. I'm like, I hope you mean that because mm -hmm. I'm going to test it. <laughs> but it's it's overall, it's been fantastic. It's been a really good experience. A lot of good men just opening up and talking about stuff. I made some good friends too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's. A, I feel like every one of my guests, if I, you know, two things were happening. One of the two things, if I already knew them, I knew them better. Right. after the podcast and if right. i didn't know him i had a new friend um yeah. i've heard some people talk about uh one guy in particular not too long ago uh contacted and told me how cathartic it was to speak on it and that yeah. he just felt so good afterwards yeah uh, like dumping his bucket so to speak you know exactly sometimes and, you gotta uh, let it out you just gotta release it and that's the best part is just let it go and know that you're not going to get anything bad for doing it it's just something we should be able to do yeah. So that's, that's you know, what I've aimed for. Yeah. It's I tell good. people too, cause some people will go, uh, so who all is going to be able to listen to this? No, like everybody in the world, but the, the fact of the matter <laughs> yep. is yep. somebody to stumble upon your episode by accident is a very low, you know, how much podcast content is going out into the universe mm -hmm. every oh day. Insane uh, amount of stuff. Oh, you, yeah. you almost have to give somebody the link for them to know that you were on, <laughs> you know, the way they well, I don't want my mom to hear it. Like, mm -hmm. is your mom a big podcast listener? <laughs> The chance of her finding it is pretty low. 
Yeah, I agree. Unless you go letter. Exactly. I've had quite a few family members contact me after the fact, thanking me for doing podcasts because they got to hear like their son's story from that angle and they'd never heard that. Yeah. It's gotta be a lot easier to just say to somebody they don't know as well, as opposed to a parent where you have to look in the eye and tell. So yeah, I understand the catharticism of that. There's a lot of, it's much like what you said when you, and what's your, what's your wife's name? Carice. Carice, when you said y'all were sitting around thinking that whatever you were talking about was worth broadcasting, right? He's like, hey, man, we got some good stuff. We're batting around here. We ought to tape it and make a podcast. That's how this thing started with some guys talking recovery. And we was like, man, we got some pretty good jaw going on. Uh, Maybe we ought to start a podcast. And uh, and that's how this got started. uh, Everybody figured out how much work it was after a minute. And uh, (laughs) and I had it. My heart was always in it from the beginning. You know, it was uh kind of my, my idea to begin with uh but i really did and the benefits that it's doing for me uh it, it's uh, they're not words can express what this show is meant to me you know it's it's yeah. I, and i had no idea that it was going to happen as of us doing like when i was saying earlier about the fact i get to sit here and talk to somebody that is uh given a complete different perspective to me you know, then, then what I'm going to get anywhere else. And, and I get to sit here and, and receive that gift of uh, yeah. hearing it. And yeah. so what do I you learn something every episode? Yeah. What Definitely. about the writing? What do you, what's your. So the writing even precedes the podcast thing, because once the whole idea of men are the prize came about in my head, I've, I think really what it is, is that I've kind of, I think I'm a writer and I have stories and stuff in my head. And if I ever just decide to sit down and just, put it on paper, I think it would be pretty successful. So my first idea was a story called Men are the Prize, where it's really a story about men recognizing how they are, how good they are, and in relationships type of thing. And not just perfect men, but flawed men who deal with things, but then recognize what they are. So in my head, I've always had that story in there. And that's what I've been writing, writing that. And then from there, I'm like, oh, look, I'm going to do the podcast. And then at some point, I'm going to combine them. So I'll put the book out. The podcast is listed, you know, it's titled that. So I'm going to go with that. So it's, it's, I, I don't know how to describe it. At first, I thought it was kind of, you know, men's affirmation or pos- positivity or whatever. But in the end, it's just, it is really just positivity for men. I just like the idea of books or the idea that men, that we're good. In all of our in all of our ways, good, bad, we struggle like everybody else does. We just need to talk about it and recognize that we're good people in every way, and that we shouldn't feel bad about life and our struggles and anything that we deal with. It's interesting that we have that uh, propensity to think we're the only one like this, right? You know, we can do this that I'm the only guy thinking the thoughts that I'm thinking and, and knock ourselves around. And, you know, that was one of the, like I said, with 12 step stuff, it's what was very freeing to hear that I wasn't the only one. Uh, Cause I really did, you know, I, I thought there was something wrong with me specifically, right. That I was somehow broken and, uh, and we need more and more of that. Of course that could go with every single demographic and, you know, exactly. Kids shouldn't have the same freedom. And uh, exactly, exactly. We don't talk, man. We don't 
we have friends, but we don't have like maybe those really, really good friends that we talk talk to about really important things. Deep stuff, real stuff with substance and stuff, you know, and I kind of, I I will get real bored in certain social situations where everything is just fluff. Right. I got got no interest in it. You know, let's talk about something that means something. Exactly. uh, Yeah. Yeah. We're not taught to do that. We're not taught to like really get into some stuff and some get down and dirty. We keep it superficial, keep the easy stuff, sports and whatever's going on here. Exactly. But what's below? Yeah. What's below that? So you know, what's underneath? Yeah. That's the, that's what I try to do. In the podcast. Yeah. yeah. My sponsor is an author. Uh, of course he wrote that 12 step spiritual recovery book, okay. uh, which is, uh, was a huge undertaking for him. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of repackaging that, but he's wrapping up a novel right now that uh, I get to be the uh, beta reader on it. You know, I, uh, very cool. And that's the very same way cool. it was with that 12 step spiritual recovery book. Is it, when our relationship started to build and he's been sober, he will, may he'll celebrate 38 years. And, uh, okay. and he's in the field too. He said, no, it's a substance abuse, chemical dependency counselor. And, um, he's, he said, Hey man, I'm writing this book. I would like to see, would you read a chapter and let me know what you think? Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and it that's was really cool. cool. And I think about what the honor of it was at the time, because I really didn't know. And I was still finding my way. I was still a bit lost. And he also told me, don't tell anybody I'm letting you do this. And uh, and I started reading them. And then I got a chapter. He We would trade Manila folders out in the parking lot at the 12-step meeting. I'd hand him the one I just got done with. And he'd hand me a new 12 Manila folder. And I'd go home and eat it up. And, uh, and, I, and I actually went through it uh, three times three iterations of it wow and, I, and it doesn't doesn't make sense to me that i did it because it's a big book it's like a, it's a big book it's some 700 and something pages i think and it's got a lot of content in it and a lot of depth because uh, that's the way he he you know and that's where i get where where i'm at too uh he's taught me how to talk about the real stuff and, like and and he coaches that a lot when he's with people, you know, to, to let's get, let's see what's underneath, you know, uh, the shine on top. I'm not interested in let's, let's find the mud down in you and let's play, let's play in there for a little bit. Agreed. And that's what we need to be. That's what I'm aiming for to get past, get, get past that silo that we build around and kind of get in there and see what's underneath and see what's behind that wall. You get talking about it. Yeah. Do you all still have the other couple podcasts? Is it still going on? Oh yeah. We still do that. Yeah. We still do that one. And you know, we have couples that come on. Oh yeah. So we're three seasons into that. That's about to end. We're about to ending this season three. And this is just season one. What's it called? What's it called? called Love is black. Love is black. You already said that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've been lucky. The first season we were just talking about just us talking about relationships. The second season we had couples come on. Every episode was just couples coming on, telling us their love story, how they met, how the relationship grew, how they struggled, how they made it through the hard times. Why did you stay? All this stuff. I think that was that was a really good season because everybody's got a different story. You know, everybody everybody's got a love story. But how did you? You know, sometimes you might want to go, but why did you stay? You know, and I think good thing to keep love should be love should remain. Love should be supported. So we like. I love doing that podcast. It's fun. We call it a 
sharing our experience, strength, and hope. Yes, sir. It's uh yes, definitely. And, and that's you know, here's my here's my experience, and here's what we did with it, and here's what we did that didn't work, and here's what we did that did work, and and you know, uh, what there's another thing that says uh uh learning from my own mistakes is oh is good, but I'd rather learn from somebody else's mistakes. <laughs> well, you're a big quote guy, right? Yes, sir. I love good so did you bring one? Yes. I didn't bring one. If I'd known, I have a book of them. <laughs> I don't want to get up and leave, but I love a good quote. You know, I, uh, uh, I started, I have, I use the notepad feature in my iPhone okay. like, to the depth that I'm not sure certain people could understand. And I have a, and I have, if I hit a quote someplace, I like it, man, I copy and paste it into this document, you know, nice. and, I, and I get a couple things every day in the emails. Cause I, I'm a believer in, uh, um, starting my day off on that positive notion, you know, and, and so that way my, my morning starts out with, uh, some prayer, uh, some devote, what I call devotional reading, which is really just reading quotes and learning from other people's experience and, uh, and some meditation and some yoga. And, uh, and I, I start every day out like that. And, uh, one of the, uh, ones that caught me and I was thinking about earlier is a Thomas Merton quote. Do you know who he is? Say who? Say Thomas, Thomas Merton. He was a Trappist monk. Oh, okay. And but you wouldn't, you know, when you think monk, uh, I wouldn't think of that. <laughs> really, what he says is it's some really high, some kind of. Uh, I should be careful saying high, but definitely a devoted level of Catholicism. And we have a we have a abbey down here, down south of Kentucky, called the Abbey of Gethsemane. Okay. And and. Oh, I, one of the one of the monks, one of the brothers down there is an alcoholic, uh, and he we we know him, and uh, yeah, and uh, but Thomas Merton took some of the chances in the early. He died in like nineteen sixty nine, which is interesting. Oh. That's the year I was born. Okay. Uh, he was uh, making a lot of uh, doing a lot to bring the different faiths together. Where, you know, like we talked about a little bit ago about, you know, it seems that they're doing all they can to keep them apart. Right. Well, he was doing stuff to bring things together and he was uh, instrumental in some like these, these, these um, summits where Buddhist people and the Dalai Lama and high rabbis and everybody would get together and try to come together rather than, than apart. And uh, right. he lived, he wrote some books and uh, he lived in a little cabin down there, at, uh, down in Kentucky, but he has one that, that hit me from the beginning. And it's pretty, it's, uh, we must make the choices that enable us to fulfill the deepest capacity of our real selves. We must make the choices that enable us to fulfill the deepest capacities of our real selves. And uh, I like that. I've been trying to, I can't, I mean, I could paraphrase it, but there's a quote that kind of fits what you say. And it's really a lot of times I'm thinking that I'm fighting somebody else in the world, but I realize the only person I'm fighting is myself. Like in a way we, at times we are our own worst enemy. We and are. If we, and if we can beat that, then everything else will be fine. And if we have to decide and that, that quote kind of, I feel, I feel it because I got, I, I really had that point where I had to decide I have to do this. And I can't press forward until I make the right choice. 
Yeah. I have to let go of the childish things so that I could really become an adult and really, you know, live an adult life. So that quote kind of, it really does fit with me. You have to decide that you want to be better and you got to do it for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. I hear it. Uh, it made me, uh, I thought of that when your whole men of the prize first came around and I didn't get a chance to mention it. And it was hitting me today <laughs> as, uh, as I was working today and uh, thinking about tonight. Um, Well, you got anything else you want to talk about? Um, no. Well, the book eventually is going to come out. So, you know, I'll let you know when that comes out. Actually, I might even send it to you, you know, if you don't mind, maybe give, I'd be me, game. Some give me some constructive criticism about that. Um, I remember getting with his I, at first. He was such, such a hierarchy thing where I felt like this little bitty, this drunk way down low on the ladder. Right. It was this Buddha type character was way up here, you know, and, right. uh, and I'd see stuff in the writing that where it's just a, typo kind of thing anybody's going to have it right especially in the first right. draft and uh and and it took me a little while before i would start circling them and <laughs> and, and pointing them out and hell it tickled him pink that i was actually uh giving him feedback you know that's good yeah and there's nothing wrong with that hey good feedback you don't want to put it out there and hopefully it's something that resonates with you so yeah, yeah when i finally write it and finish it and feel comfortable handing it off yeah, I think I'll see. What do you think you'll do one. with it? Do you think you'll like go through Amazon publishing or something like that? Or do I don't know. I, I think so. Because my wife but has written did. a few books and she's done that. So I might do the same. Yeah. yeah pretty easy mm -hmm. way to yeah. you know, get it out there. One thing about me. this world we have today, man, there's very little that's going to stop you from doing something. You know, there would have been a time that you could have never, you know, if you were in a certain position, you could never begin to think you're going to get a book published. It would sure. be so far out of the realm of possibility. And and now you might right. do it. Same thing as these podcasts, you know, I get, I mean, who'd have thought that you'd be able to sit down with a computer in front of you and broadcast out to. Yeah. It's I'm getting past that. Once I get to the point, where, I mean, I know I can go to Amazon and release it. I got to get to the point where I just kind of pour myself out onto paper and put it out to the world. That's some real Even vulnerability the, right there. It is. Oh, huge huge i'm getting there i'm getting there that's a big step for me because i don't know i've never really wasn't sure if anything i wrote or as a podcast was worth public consumption but you got to just put it out there and see what happens and that's and that's where i'm at i gotta make sure gotta put it out there and see what happens yeah i remember when the podcast man i had i read and i looked around and i didn't know what i was going to do but i had six episodes in a can ready nice. to go and in uh, the first one, some was a more of a roundtable thing where we had five or six people talking and we bat around topics and um, it's a little busy too. I got some feedback at a certain point that humans want to like identify with the people at the table. Right. And on audio only, it's very difficult for people. Yeah. To, you know, a lot of voices. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And I kind of cut that back at that. But anyway, I had those in the can, you know, and I was sitting there and somebody said, you know, you ought to have a half dozen before you release one. Because if you release one and they like it and they want more, there won't be any more. I'd be ready. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so that's what I did, you know, and in January, uh, it's like January the 4th of, uh, uh, golly, 2018, I guess. Mm. Uh, I just, and I almost like. I almost pictured it like, you know, like when you got an email, you don't really want to hit send on, you know, you almost close your eyes and punch it. You, you got to do it. <laughs> and that's the way it was that night, hitting that out there. Congrats. And, uh, Good job. Like but you've it. done a lot of episodes. So congratulations on yeah. that. Sir. And push through it, you know, and that's, uh, yes, you know, the thing we talked about, you know, making these decisions because we're a victim of every decision we make. Yes, sir. I don't like the victim word, but we are, you know, yeah. I mean, my, my decisions are going to end up playing out somehow or another. 
And, yes, uh, and, you know, these decisions that, that involve this being vulnerable and putting yourself out on the line, those seem to be really good decisions for me. You know, it, they always, you know, and it ain't for a payoff, but you know what I mean? I do want to enjoy a good life and I do like to be liked and I like to be, I like it when I get emails that people like the podcast, you know, and, you know, uh, and and then, then all the benefit from, uh, from, uh, doing it, get to know people and crossing, you know, mixing up these ideas and getting to know people that I'd never had opportunity to know otherwise. That's good. You got something good out of it. No doubt. How many pages do you think you got? I think about 45, 50 pages. Yeah, it's a bunch of different. Yeah, it's a bunch of mini, five stories that kind of connect because I broke it off. It's I took the word prize and each of those letters is a story. So the purpose, the resilience, zeal, expectation and the I, each of those is a story. When it's combined, it's prize. Is it fiction or is it true? It's fiction. Definitely fiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Characters in it? Yes. Characters in it. Yeah, it's Five demonstrate these things. What'd you say? That demonstrate these things. Characters that demonstrate that each man is in a relationship and each relationship, something happens where he discovers his purpose or his expectation or whatever. Something happens where he comes to the realization. Each relationship, something happens to pick, you know, to kind of allow you to kind of extrapolate and discuss that particular issue. So I like it. Yeah. I uh, now and again, I'll begin to think because <clears throat> I've done some writing over the years. I, one of the things okay. I've done is journaled some of my experiences. Um, I've been able to go to some really cool places in my life and, um, you know, my second year of recovery, I was sober like, no, it was the third year. I was on home incarceration for a year and then I was on probation for a year. And then as uh, soon as I got off probation, I uh, went to Nagasaki, Japan on a business trip. And I had a spiritual experience while I was there. And, wow. and I journaled. And it means a lot to me today, you know, that journal of that. Um, I felt like I had a brand new pair of eyes. I was seeing everything differently for the first time. And, you know, and I, That's amazing. I, yeah, I wasn't like when I was telling you about being in them big cities and being scared. I wasn't scared. You know, I was curious and I was going to places experience. that That's you weren't, uh, weren't, weren't, you know, I would have been scared to go to. And then the heaviness of the uh, ground zero in Nagasaki, too, is pretty. That's there's a real heavy energy there. And sure. I remember looking up at one point and they got a big thing up there called Peace Park. And I remember just all of a sudden, like coming to. Uh, conscious of what was going on. And, or, you know, just all of a sudden became real conscious of everything around me. And here I am, some big, white, tall, white dude. And from the country that did this. And it was, and all the Japanese people were around me, you know, and I felt like they were, you know, looking at me. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be a weird experience. I can imagine. Well, it was really weird, you know, but it like flew it, it blew over. And I remember a lady smiled at me. You know, and and it was like it was like the wind blew that bad feeling away. And uh, this just had I went I went to an AA meeting in Japan 
wow. yeah, found it and uh, and it was at the end of this one day and I I walked into it. Well, I went. I was looking for it and it was there was a church there, and I wasn't sure Japan have churches, uh, but Nagasaki was had a lot of cross culturalization from way back. Uh, I didn't know that until I went there, but um, I went in that went in at me. I saw a guy smoking a cigarette, and I was like. Well, there it is. That's one. <laughs> Went up to him and he's he was kind of leaning over a bench smoking a cigarette. And I said, Is this the AA meeting? And he looked up at me like real quick, almost like snapshot looked at me, you know, his neck snapped around. And I said, AA. And he goes, AA and stuffed his cigarette out, man. And he just grabbed me by the arm and, and we went in, he had to take off your shoes. They gave me, I'm like a size 12 and they gave me like a size eight sandals to put on. And, uh, and I went in there and sat and, uh, through this meeting and I couldn't understand a word they were saying. They encouraged me to share. They couldn't understand a word I said, and it didn't freaking matter. You know, you still had that energy that I feel in, in my 12-step recovery meetings here. It's just so beautiful, uh, un, wow. unreal. Yeah, that's those are the kind of things. Uh, you know, I I talk a lot about miracles, and that's kind of some of what I chalk up to this uh, higher power thing. I see these like miracles that I just can't hardly get my arms around, and maybe that just happened, but it felt guided. Uh, it felt like I was being guided by something that day. And, uh, but back to the original point, I got these journals mm -hmm. from different things I've done. And, uh, I always wondered if it would be worthwhile. It's a story a little bit, feels a little arrogant at times to think that somebody would be interested in it, but other people are writing their stories, you know, why not Dan? Definitely. You I'm sure there's plenty of people would be interested in seeing your, seeing your journey. Definitely. That's not arrogant. That's just putting it out for the world. I'm sure that would help a whole lot of people. You should definitely do that. Definitely do that. I have a lot of it. I've, I've considered it. I watch how hard it is. At least uh, I watch the focus that my sponsor puts into his writing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I have that. I don't know that I need to have that. But uh, uh, that's what he does. He's uh, he's like almost stereotypical author, you know, holds up and writes and writes and writes and writes and writes goes over and over his stuff over and over and yeah. over and over i know that struggle yeah uh, i don't I, I don't know that i got time for that i got everything i want to be doing <laughs> That's it's been do. a pleasure tonight man uh yes sir i have enjoyed your perspective and uh and it's uh I, you know I, there's a piece of me that does not compute you know i, I don't but I think that's a that's a that's also a place that we need to be in places that doesn't compute to you, right? You right, need to definitely. you need to go to some places that don't compute, uh, mm -hmm. so you get that perspective from a different direction. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I didn't know about that until it just happened. Like you said, it wasn't a planned event; it was just a spontaneous one. Was but it was definitely a pleasure speaking with you. I like I like I don't I I don't tell this story that much. But I was super comfortable talking with you about it, Dan. It was a good time to let you to talk about it and kind of well, expose myself to a degree. Yeah, I've uh, I've had a couple. Of, that's another one of these things where I, one of them, here's one thing before I close up. I don't see me that well. I have some distorted view of me. Right. 
kind of like that you being your worst enemy kind of stuff or your worst critic stuff, you know, that's right. age old wisdom or whatever that, that they've said. And, uh, and I've had a couple of times when people say that I made them really comfortable talking and that it was just, I wouldn't have necessarily said, I don't, I surprised that I told you that story. Right. And I don't know. Maybe I have a little gift at doing that. Yeah, you do. Well, no, super comfortable. That's well, obviously you do. You talk to a lot of men going yeah. through, you know, these struggles. So you yeah. do There's a yeah. real level of comfort speaking to you, just letting, letting you know about stuff that I've gone through or men in general talking to you. So keep that going. Yeah, we will. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I see a lot of, uh, if you're looking, if you're looking in certain directions, you'll think the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, there's a lot of negative things happening, but um, I keep on meet. I, I do this thing, and I keep on meeting guys like you who are putting their hand in the middle of the ring to help make things better. And and to be honest, I think that's the power. We just don't get the press, you know. I like that because uh, there's, there's tons of us doing this. Tons of us, you know. But right. if you if you if you don't walk if you're not looking in the right corner of the universe you don't see any of it. You see all Ukraine and pandemic yeah. and everything yeah. else. So uh, it's uh, I feel like we got a movement going on. I think we have I a, agree. a movement I agree. of positivity happening to uh, kind of right this shift that's kind of tipped over a little bit. Definitely. All right. Well, keep going. I'll well, no, man, you can find the podcast. It's easy. It's called Men of the Prize. You know, we're on Spotify, Amazon, Google, pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. Um, Is that picture of you on the, the Oh, podcast? I wish. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I would never wear a shirt if I looked like that. Yeah, Maybe man. that's the dream, but no, yeah. that's just the logo. But uh, podcasts everywhere. Hopefully the book will come out soon. Instagram, you can find Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. It's men of zealous nature because I love the word seal. Mm. So, but all that is there. And it's just a week to week, stripped down, real comfortable with just talking, just men talking about what's going on. Yeah, I think that's cool. the way I like it. Real simple. Yeah. yeah. You're doing a great job at it. I listen. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So uh, uh, that's what I mean. Uh, I, I find this stuff at uh, this pockets of positivity man and it draws me in and i'm sure i'm not alone there so i feel like i have a certain responsibility to uh help this stuff be known agreed i really love talking to harvey uh something about him and such a widely different perspective than i have uh is is refreshing and for the second week in a row, I have failed to close the podcast in my usual way. I think it's uh, the lack of the uh, not not speaking alcoholism. Uh, feels like I'm on a different channel. So if it's not working, stop doing it. If it is working, keep doing it. If you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all, as always, for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out. <laughs>